What's up, my friends? You guys know me. I'm Beto Gudiño with Christian Podcast. And today is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. This is what I want to say. This show is sponsored by Christian Podcast. We are a media company and we want to tell compelling stories that inspire and challenge people to pursue faith. So in order for us to reach our goal, we need your help. Yes, so you who are tuning in, this is the easiest thing I'm requesting of you. That you spread the word about Christian Podcast. That you visit ChristianPodcast.com. That you subscribe and follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and give us a positive review on Roku. And finally, our merch is available at ChristianPodcast.com forward slash shop. And there we have all of our emoji gear and our coffee mug because I love drinking coffee. Coffee is amazing. Mm, it gives me that adrenaline, that caffeine I need on my daily life. And so check it out. All right. And with no further ado, today we have an amazing guest. I'm about to introduce you on the show right here. Michael Lindsay, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, Michael. Well, let's kick us off with what is your strongest idea today and under which emoji would you categorize it under? Well, I hope it's an inspired idea. It's based on about 10 years of research. I concluded that each of us are given 70, 80 years on this earth on average, but our life is shaped by about 20 to 30 individual minutes, which I call hinge moments, that shape the direction of the rest of your life. So if you get those 20 to 30 minutes right, the Lord's going to use you in very significant ways over 70 to 80 years. Wow, there you go. And that's the inspired emoji to kick us off. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Michael. Okay, so you're saying, I mean, the book is phenomenal. I've been reading it. It's in the back of my screen. It's called Hinge Moments. And who in this life doesn't experience those, right? The first thing we ever do in life is a hinge moment. We go from the womb to see the light and we go into the unexpected. We are safe in our wombs. We are you no know, rolling around in our mother's womb. And then all of a sudden somebody tries to take us out and it's like, what is this? And we start crying, right? Mm -hmm. um, so Michael, I mean, what is your own experience when it comes to hinge moments in your life. Can you tell us a little bit of who you are and you know, maybe where the Lord has taken you? I serve as the president of Taylor University, a Christian university in Indiana. And my own journey of uh, moving from Boston to the cornfields of Indiana was a hinge moment. And it's based upon a really large study I did in which I interviewed 550 leaders of our society, former presidents Carter and Bush, Um, cabinet secretaries like Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice, 250 CEOs, including 20 of the Fortune 100 CEOs, and the presidents of virtually every large nonprofit in the country, including the presidents of Harvard, Stanford, and Princeton. And what I found is that those people who succeed in life over the long call were individuals who managed these transition moments, these hinge moments upon which the rest of our life depends, they handle those really well. And so the book is designed to sort of offer some insights and perspectives that hopefully help all of us navigate the big changes of life really well. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. I mean, what what a scope of people that you have in in your research. So let's start right here. It's going to be a little heavy because when I was reading, um, I read a story that I mean, it, it's pretty harsh, and it's about um, making so we don't know what's 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 going to happen, what to expect expect in the future, right? And you said that you kind of learned the hard way, that you had an invitation to participate as the president of a university and that there was a moment, there's a story that took you by surprise, totally unexpected. Can you elaborate a little bit on, on what that story, uh, what that story is and how it shaped you? Sure. So I was uh, serving as a faculty member at Rice University in Houston And the search committee for the doing the presidential search at Gordon College in Boston called and said they were interested in talking with me. And I said, oh, no, 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 uh, it's not the right time, maybe in 10 to 15 years, but not today. And they asked me, well, would I just pray about it? And I said, sure, I'll pray, but I wasn't that uh, serious about praying about it. Mm -hmm. But from a few times, I would say a, a prayer and ask God to sort of guide them. And if he was calling me, he'd have to make it really clear because I'm from the South, so moving to Boston where they have blizzards and um, nor'easters, that did not sound like my idea of fun. But uh, I did want to be in the center of God's will in my life. About a month after they originally contacted me, my 32-year-old cousin, Trent, was killed in a car accident. And it was a devastating thing for our family. He was like a little brother to me. I, I delivered the eulogy at his funeral and then uh, loaded up the kids and started driving back to Houston. They were sleeping in the car. And as I was going down the highway, I began thinking about Trent and his life. I wondered what he was going to get his kids for Christmas that year because it was pretty close to Christmas. Wondered if he was getting that next big promotion that he'd been hoping might come around the corner, how close he was to that. And then I got to thinking about what Trent wanted to do with his life and wondered what he was seeing on the horizon, wondered what he might do in 10 to 15 years. And the minute that question went across my mind, I remembered that conversation from a month earlier with the search committee uh, at Gordon. And I just realized, you know, we are not promised tomorrow and we got to be open to the Lord's leading. So I called the search committee back the next day and said, if you're still taking applications, I'd be honored to submit my application. Of course, I never dreamed it actually would work out. I just thought I was sort of, you know, taking the next step as an act of obedience. Lo and behold, uh, over three or four months later, God ended up calling me uh, to Gordon, and I'm really glad. I had an amazing time there, but it was not what I expected, and it was an important hinge moment in my life. Wow. Okay, so a hinge moment, and like I was saying, we all experience times in our life where we, I mean, I, I would love to talk about like the butterflies that we feel in our in our guts, because we, I guess the main question today is like, how do we even know when a door is open or where opportunity is knocking at the door. And I think a lot of people can relate to that because mm. it, there's even a big saying, right, that, that says something like opportunity comes once in a lifetime. I think there's even a rapper, uh, Eminem, that you know, he's, he's got a line in one of his songs that says opportunity comes once in a lifetime. And a lot of people say, you know, if you have an opportunity like that, take it because it may not come back. Um, what do you have to say to that? I mean, you have talked to so many people. Uh, is that the case? Like, do opportunities only happen once, or does it cost a lot to get back to those type of opportunities? What What did you witness in your research? Well, you know, I'm a person of prayer, so I think that you pray for opportunities and the Lord opens up doors. But as you say, 
I do think he uses butterflies in our stomach to sort of signal a holy restlessness about our current situation. And it may mean changing a job. It may mean moving to a new church. It may mean deciding to get married or to have a kid. Sometimes these hinge moments are things that we choose and we're really excited about. Other times they're really difficult things like the death of a spouse or losing a job. Those can also be hinge moments. But what I find is that the Lord really can use all of them to shape and remake us into the person he wants us to be if we're open to it. And part of it is paying attention to the signals that God is sending to us. So part of the idea of the book behind hinge moments is just to sort of make us more attentive to the various ways that God can be trying to get our attention. So sometimes it comes through butterflies in our stomach. Sometimes it comes through a phone call that's an opportunity, or sometimes it comes through a, a real tragedy that also represents a moment for us to grow, learn, and open up to new possibilities. Wow, that's so good. So we are not promised tomorrow. And then I love how you said, I mean, you're a man of faith and you feel comfortable saying, I pray to God and I pray for opportunities. But you also said uh, almost like you were praying. And uh, tell me about that, taking maybe prayer not so seriously, even almost just like a, as the typical answer when, when an opportunity might be knocking at the door to say, well, I'll pray about it. And is that, I mean, how do you relate to that? You know, to prayer actually meaning you prayed and to prayer meaning actually you said no. <laughs> Well, I think sometimes we say we're going to pray about something. We don't mean it. So we need to be careful about that. And I'd say, you know, on that particular item where they asked me what I pray about it, I did pray, but it was a reluctant prayer. It was not a mm. genuinely, Lord, I'm open to whatever you want in my life. And I think all of us can say that there have been moments when we prayed things, but we're not really open to what we're saying. Mm. At the same time, I think even the act of prayer has a way of opening us up to possibilities that we didn't think previously we would undertake. So part of it is saying, all right, God, I'm not really excited about this, but I'm willing to be led by you if you want to open up the door. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah 30, 21, which says that whether you turn to the left or to the right, there'll be a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I love the fact that the voice of God is not in front of us, calling us you know, in the one direction. It's not beside us guiding the way it's behind us it's a step of faith that we have mm. to sort of trust all right the lord is guiding us and i think that's the kind of prayer the lord likes to answer when we say god where do you want me how can i be of greatest use to you i think that's the kind of prayer the lord wants to answer every single day wow yes and so that brings me to this other question as you talk to so many people in different fields i would assume that out of the 550 people that you talk with that some of them maybe didn't have such a strong, um, maybe religious background or, or even, I mean, I don't know, right? Among 550 people, I'm assuming at least some of them didn't have quite that uh, prayer right. emphasis or relationship. So how yeah. did you help them navigate the hinge moments without, like outside of the, of the maybe the prayer perspective? Uh, what is helpful for people that say, well, or do we need prayer like all the time, right? Like what's your vantage point? Well, you know, I think there's several different things we can do in our lives that help us uh, be attuned to God's leading. I think prayer is one of those. I think also listening to scripture, being in some kind of a, a small group of uh, friends and support that can sort of speak into our lives. So sometimes that's an accountability group. Sometimes that's a Bible study. Sometimes that's just having a prayer partner. But um, having some people who can help us hear the voice of God and be responsive to that, I think that that makes a huge difference. In my life, my wife is an important part of that accountability, but I also have a prayer partner 
I live in Indiana, he lives in California, and we pray once a week. But those are moments where the Lord really can speak. I also think there's some practices that go way back thousands of years that can be helpful, like silence, solitude, regular Sabbath keeping, ways in which we still ourselves and say, okay, I want to really listen to the voice of God. Sometimes our lives can be so busy and frenetic that we're not quiet enough to be able to hear a still small voice. But uh, when we get quiet and we really are attentive, God is already there speaking. So that's one of the key things that I find people can be attentive to and can help guide them through the hinge moments of life. Mm-hmm. So hinge moments, I love that. Um, and and the important thing about hinge moments, like it's whatever decisions you make, especially in your earlier years, will affect the rest of your life, right? And I can attest to that. I have been sharing a little bit on my podcast about my own journey coming to America and then, you know, some struggles I've had. Um, and that's a story for another time. But um, so so tell me about a little bit of that importance of our decisions today, you know, and whether, you know, like, for example, a pastor said, uh, I think in an episode, I don't remember if it was in English or Spanish. But anyways, he said, when is the best time to plant a tree? And you're like, okay, that's that's a good question. When? Right now? Tomorrow? Ten years ago, right? Because mm-hmm. you want to be like enjoying the fruits of that tree now. So tell me a little bit about that, um, the hinge moments and the importance of making wise decisions and, and why, I mean, how they reflect in our futures. Well, it's true that the best moment to plant a tree is 10 years ago, but the next best moment to plant a tree is today so that you might have the chance of being a blessing for shade or for fruit uh, down the road. And I, I think a large part of our life You know, we have to live it going forward, but we really only understand it looking back. So Mm. how can we develop some things in our life that help us look back? One simple thing is that I started a practice a few years ago of keeping a gratitude journal. So every day I record three things that I'm grateful for. And now I will go back and look on this very day, two years ago, what was I grateful for? As a way of reminding me of how God was faithful or helpful or really walked me through a journey that I wasn't even prepared for at the moment, but I was just processing. I think that's simple things like that can make a huge difference in helping us to not only be grateful for what's happened, but also prepare for what's coming. Mm, that's so good. So Michael, do you have, uh, this is kind of like my own experience, uh, but maybe maybe you have your own moments like this where it's almost like be careful what you wish for when it comes to praying to God, right? And especially for me, For example, I can think of, of some hinge moments in my life where my prayer was somewhere along the lines of God, use me. You know, I'm your servant. Do whatever you want with me. And then a set of challenges start coming and appearing and you start feeling like, okay, this the, this is not God, right? But then later on, you realize, okay, that was God actually uh, tending to my word and saying, okay, I mean, you want me to use you? Okay, here's a, a few set of challenges that are going to shape you and mold you and, you know, reveal your character. So uh, I guess when, when it comes to hinge moments and doors opening, how can we be attentive to that and, and know that maybe even in the struggle, God is using it, right? Like God is still speaking that do you, did you face any moments like that where you even doubted your own, uh, your own decisions and choices and even prayers? Sure. I mean, tons of times I can point to where I prayed and then I'm like, oh gosh, Lord, why did you do that? Or I'm not really ready. But let me tell you an amazing story that sort of is a, a reminder of the redemption of God. 
So I interviewed Condoleezza Rice, incredibly accomplished woman who thought she was going to be a classically trained concert pianist and was a very, very talented pianist. She goes to a big competition in Fort Worth, and she had been working on a particular piece for over a year. A couple of um, um, performers went out before it was her time, and there was this guy who played the exact same piece, and he was like 11 years old. She was 14 or 15 at the time, and he was amazing, flawless. He did it even better than she did. She asked him backstage, you know, I've been practicing that piece for a year. How long you've been working on it? Thinking you've been working on it for three years. He said, oh, I picked it up a couple of weeks ago. I just decided <laughs> to change it. And she was devastated thinking, I'll never be as good as this guy. And there are lots of other people that are that good or even better. And that was a hinge moment because she thought she was pursuing one passion, but she said, I realized I had to be open to other things. She ended up graduating high school early went to the University of Denver and was really wondering, you know, God, what am I going to do with my life? I thought I was going to be a music musician, and now I'm not. She took a class on the former Soviet Union taught by this very famous professor, and she really got interested in the Soviet Union and international affairs, ended up majoring in that field, pursued a PhD at Notre Dame, and then ended up landing um, a, a teaching job at Stanford. I mean, right, this is amazing, a great career, but it was actually that hinge moment that opened her up to even more possibilities. She ended up being national security advisor and secretary of state. And I'm sitting down with her after she served eight years in Washington. And she said, I never would have had any of those experiences if I had not experienced that moment of real failure as a young woman, where the job that I thought I was gonna have for the rest of my life was suddenly taken away from me. Oftentimes closed windows or doors are even bigger doors being opened. We just have to be aware of the providence of God. You know, what others might intend for evil, God intends for good. And the, the best news about the God of the Bible is that he is a God who redeems even difficult things, even tragedy he brings about for our greater good. And so I, I take great encouragement by seeing so many stories of folks who used hinge moments for even greater opportunity, greater good. Wow, that is blowing my mind. And I think two key words that I hear you say right now is um, one is failure and the other one is comparison. And I would love to maybe elaborate a little bit on maybe how those two are related. Because I think when when you compare to others, that's maybe when, when you start thinking I'm a failure because I'm comparing myself to these other people who succeeded, right? In this case, the, the piano boy who was amazing. Now you're comparing yeah. yourself to that piano boy and you think, okay, I'm a failure compared to that boy, right? Right. And we don't see the opportunity. So tell me a little bit about those, uh, like, comparison and failure. How do you think those are connected? Well, um, another really great story is that I interviewed uh, a guy named Kevin Plank. Kevin was a college football player at the University of Maryland, and he was never a very good student. He just barely got by with C's and maybe a few D's. But he was always really good at sales, and he was a really creative thinker. He also was, uh, you know, a fine football player, played collegiate ball, but he was never going to be playing at the NFL. So he's not a great student. He's a mediocre college football player. What's he going to do with his life? And he, he realized one day after he had one of those hot two-a-day practices you have in August, he took his shoulder pads off, and he had his T-shirt on underneath and it was just drenched in sweat. He took it off, put it on a scale, weighed six pounds. He's like, man, it's amazing how this sweat is just 
holding me back. I'd be such a better player if I could just develop something that would wick away that sweat and it would actually have a cooling effect for me so I could actually be more effective as a player. Well, that was the start of an idea of could we actually create a fiber that would actually not absorb the water but take it away? And that was the beginning of an entire, not just a company, but a whole industry because Kevin ended up investing in six fibers, one of which worked. That became the beginning of what we know as Under Armour, which created the entire industry of performance apparel. But it occurred after Kevin had a hot practice in August as a football player where he wasn't necessarily going to be drafted to the NFL. He wasn't going to be a straight-A student who gets hired by the prestigious consulting firm, but actually he took his entrepreneurial energy and his good ability to think of creative ideas and that sort of sense of failure actually created a whole new area. And now he didn't just get a job, he now creates jobs. That's the kind of amazing story of people who use challenges in their life to do things even greater. Such a great story, Michael. So uh, that also reminds me a little bit of the story of Thomas Edison, right? That he's he's got like a famous quote that said, um, I just found 10,000 ways it didn't work, right? <laughs> and because the one time you make it happen, um, everybody thinks, okay, that's the successful moment. And maybe a lot of people don't see the 10,000 moments it didn't work. And it really it really brings my attention to how Uh, you know, even as humans, we're just wired for, we have so much creativity and so much within us that sometimes we're just so focused on the one thing that Mm. we don't see like the many things that we are maybe even better at than the one we're trying to focus on. And so would you say, Michael, when it comes to just like anybody in the world, do you think everybody has something? Do you think everybody is meant to succeed or do you think there's 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 more to it? What's what's your vantage point when so many people you have talked with and even students that you you have served? Yeah, well, I tell you, I have the chance every day to work with two thousand amazing Christian students at Taylor, and it's so encouraging for me to see how the Lord can use people of many different talents, skills, and strengths. And part of the great thing about the college years is is a chance for you to figure out what am I made for and how can I you know, pursue a vocation or a career that would allow me to live into those gifts and abilities. The other thing that I really think is important is that sometimes we think we have to get it all figured out and we have to sort of be on one single pathway. Most of the people that I interviewed, they had sort of a circuitous route where they they thought they were going to do something then turned out, no, that wasn't the right way. So they went somewhere else that led to something else. And eventually they find sort of their sweet spot. I find that that's really true for most of us. So I believe that God's given all of us great gifts. You know, in Philippians chapter one, it says, you know, the Lord's going to complete the gift that he began in each of us. And it's a lifelong process of figuring out what are you uniquely made for? Frederick Beekner is this great author. And he says, the place where God is calling you to is the place where your heart's deep gladness, the thing that makes you happy and excited, that gives you real joy in the life and the place where the world's deepest needs where those two things meet. So you may be called to do something as a podcaster that's different than what I feel called to as university president, but each of us can find that there's a great need in the world and a place where our deep passion, where those two things can go together. And that's where the Lord calls each of us uniquely to be able to accomplish his purposes. And man, when you figure that out, it's such great joy 
and great satisfaction. And I find that throughout life, the Lord gives you those moments of epiphany, and a large part of it is being open to being willing to try things and then to be led by God for those opportunities. That's the key thing of hinge moments. So good. Okay, so as you said, you know that I'm a podcaster. Uh, I I kind of want to elaborate on this because uh, even if you see right behind me, there's a guitar, you know, and for people that are also watching Uh, my dream was to come to America and kind of like be successful as a musician. And mm. even though that's still like big part of who I am, like I love music, I love creating, I love, you know, working with that. Uh, eventually I realized that it, it wasn't necessarily making music what made me glad. And as you were saying right now, what is the one thing that, that you're passionate about that brings you joy? And I think to me it was... It was more about like the relationship behind music, right? And the connection that music can have that, you know, you could be playing, you know, in this case, I used to be the, like the lead singer of this Spanish rock band. And mm. it was more about like the connection with the audience, the going to the events, the hanging out with people, getting to know stories. And I feel like that's exactly what a podcast is, right? So it almost feels like I, I developed from that into Hey, when I do a podcast, I'm actually doing that. You know, I'm, I'm talking to people, I'm developing relationships, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm hopefully adding value to people. And mm. in a sense, it, it was almost like, hey, that is what brings you joy and that's what you're passionate about. That's even maybe what I would say I'm, I'm good at. And then I think it, it also kind of like exactly what you said, it serves a need, right? So when I think of the online world, There's more and more technology nowadays. There's even the metaverse and like all these things. Yep. And I'm thinking, can I bring a little bit of laughter, a little bit of joy to people that are even watching online and that mm. are on the internet, right? Maybe they're, maybe some people are depressed just scrolling. And can I be the guy that maybe just by listening to the conversation, they can be inspired, right? Like our first emoji and maybe have some, some hope in their life. So what have you experienced in your own journey in your own hinge moments that um, what are the things that bring you joy? It would be just awesome to get to know a little bit of, of what you have discovered about yourself. Well, I think the thing about joy is that it's not always about happiness. So in the book, I tell the story about how my wife and I learned that our oldest daughter was born with a very rare genetic disorder that we didn't know when my wife was pregnant or when she was born. But um, parenting our oldest daughter, Elizabeth, has been a joy, but it's been a hard joy. It's been a challenging joy. And um, Elizabeth has profound cognitive disabilities. She's legally blind. She has problems with internal organs. Um, she, you know, things are, are serious. You, if you look at her, she looks typical. But if you interact with her for even 30 seconds, you realize she's very special. And yet, that particular challenge has made me a better man. It's made me a better father, a better husband. It's made me somebody who's a better boss. I think I'm more sensitive. I think I'm uh, gentler, kinder than I would be otherwise. So the Lord can use great moments of excitement and uh, energy and also moments of great challenge and sadness to help develop within us a perseverance and to be joyful in all circumstances. So I'd say my joy has come uh, through the process of seeing the hand of God to uh, sustain me and to help me to grow to be a better person uh, in his providence. And I'm really grateful for the presence of uh, my daughter in my life and how she's also reminded me of the goodness of God day in and day out. Wow. So without our, 
even the struggles like i mean i'm, I'm i don't want to say like bring it on and let's just all go through the pain and and challenges but what would life be without them right I, imagine like our life was as easy as hey i wake up every day and everything goes just as i planned i mean, yeah. I mean do you in a sense i almost feel like the that would be there's a little bit of hellish in that you know and like everything going exactly how you plan uh where is where is the beauty of overcoming where is the beauty of of rising up above the circumstance right like where is the beauty every every story that we hear that inspires us is actually that right it it's people overcoming obstacles and challenges so that's a good so michael tell me a little bit about the the hinge itself So if we're talking about doors, I think we're picturing, we're painting a mental picture for people of, everybody can use, can refer to that, right? When an open door is open, no, can I walk through it? And well, guess what? The door opens and swings open because it has hinges. And I think you, you get uh, a little bit technical and specific about what a hinge can look like. So would you elaborate a little bit on, on that? Yeah, so I'm just marveled by the way <clears throat> the hinge of a door, it's like an engineering feat because it allows um, a piece of wood that is closed to remain closed. It allows a piece of door that's open to remain open, but it also allows an open door to be closed and a closed door to be open. That's amazing that a little piece of metal can do all of that. And so it is in our life with um, values and virtues that we can actually be shaped deeply by those things that we espouse to say are really important in our life. So as a person of faith, I would say that there's a set of values and virtues that I want to have in my life and in my family's life. And so trying to live by those. In the book, I talk about some of these um, historic virtues of good judgment, of self-control, of working for justice, and for uh, wisdom, those four classical virtues and how you combine those with the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, and how those seven things together can really make you a whole and complete person and how they can help you navigate the ups and the downs. In the book, I talk about how we go through seven stages of transition. It's kind of like stages of grief. You might sort of start off at a certain point and then you sort of go through a down stage and it reaches its low, low point. And then eventually you come back up and it takes you and you're at a higher point than you were when you started. You know, it's, it's in a different place, but it actually sort of takes a whole process. Sometimes you can go through that process in a matter of weeks. Sometimes it takes a matter of years. But in God's providence, he walks us through that journey of the ups and eventually to the The, the downs, eventually to the high points where you're a stronger, better person because of those hinge moments. And if you have these values that we cultivate every single day by just regular disciplines and practices. So how do you practice? How do you develop self-control? It's by the small little things. It's like growing a muscle, like you know, strengthening your bicep in the weight room is through resistance training. So also strengthening self-control in our life is by practicing self-control. So you You resist the candy that happens to be mm. on your table. You resist the donut when you're, you know, at a company meeting, or you decide I'm going to resist the temptation to say a curse word or or to complain about something this moment. The more you practice that, the stronger those muscles get. Now, there's a lot of science behind how you strengthen self-control, and in the book I talk about that and how to develop it. But in the end, the more you practice it, the better you become. 
So good. So uh, another two words. It's so cool how you know you elaborate on these seven uh, virtues and values, and then these other words that maybe uh, I'm just trying to help people right as they listen to. Uh, maybe think of the challenges or the negative elements that we can be aware of when it comes to our own hinge moment. Mm. So what about complacency and hypocrisy? Because mm-hmm. I love how you're saying, you know, can we be challenged by maybe not using the cuss word? And I know for, for some people, especially maybe Christians, right? Uh, and especially growing up, like I had a lot of friends who said, well, if I need to be somebody else, somebody I'm not to portray, you know, somebody that just doesn't represent me. Maybe I'm just being hypocritical, right? Maybe it's just, it's just not even me. Uh, what do you have to say to that, that little challenge right there as, as people might consider um, applying these values a little bit of, of hypocritical if they feel like it, it's not really them or if not, it's not really in their Core, well, right? I think, I mean, you know, all of us are guilty of not being consistent with our values and virtues, but what we want to try and do is be more of our better selves more often throughout the day, right? Mm. I'd, I'd rather be a loving husband and a good dad than being, you know, a lousy dad and a difficult husband. I, I'd rather draw out the better part of myself. So I think that, you know, you just... um you try to incorporate more of the better self that moments throughout the day than the worst self moments throughout the day. It doesn't matter if you're not always consistent. That's the reality of being a fallen human. But just because you make a mistake, just because you fall down, doesn't mean that you don't get back up and try again. The people who impressed me out of these 550 people I interviewed, I spent 10 years of my life interviewing these people all over the country. The thing that impressed me were folks who were willing to bounce back from challenges to not let the disappointments to get them down over the long call. But instead, they try to live into their values more consistently day in and day out. So good. So even even through our inconsistencies, um, we can be challenged to be our better selves more often. I love that. I mean, uh, to be our better selves more often and I love the grace in that. I love the grace of like, we're all fallen creatures every day. You know, I mean, I can apply this to me, my own family, my own journey, like every single day. I feel like, oh man, I failed right there. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can let that moment be like, okay, I, that, that was not very good of a dad of me to have said that. Right. Or, or, you know, not interacting with my son as he wanted to, you know, build the ramp for he's doing like this fingerboard thingy <laughs> right and not interacting and then the next day having the chance of like okay i didn't do it yesterday but can i do it today can i step in can i show up as a dad and mm-hmm. be it and almost like the um to have grace on on ourselves and be like yeah like so is that what would you say that is do we need to be gentle with ourselves do we be do we need to offer grace to ourselves and how do we help ourselves offer grace like personally right maybe it's even easier to offer grace to others maybe not right but um maybe it's even harder to offer it to ourselves yeah i think oftentimes we are our own worst critics and Mm. so part of it is that we have to sort of not take ourselves so seriously we realize you know okay i I screwed up i didn't do that very well but in god's grace i'm going to try and do better tomorrow and i'm going to ask the lord to sort of guide me and I, i just think that's the kind of prayer that God's really honored in. 
And I found time and again that as we give ourselves a little bit more grace and we extend it to others, the Lord uses it to help make us better people. So that's really my encouragement is let's give each other a measure of grace and kindness and also be willing to get back up and to do better tomorrow than we did today. Wow. That's so good. I love it. I love it. So out of the seven values, which one would you say, um, just to kind of help people, this is where you could start. You know, if you, if you are kind of lost on how to begin even to walk through the doors that might be open, this is take this first step, right? Take no work on this first value. Uh, is there anything to that or, or could it be just case by case, by case or what we, will one well, of these values you, be better I, to start? I think if you start with hope, I think that that's probably mm. the best direction because it helps us to begin to be oriented toward the future. We begin to say, okay, God, what could you do in this situation? And you start looking for opportunities. So a, a really good prayer to pray is God, give me eyes to see where you're at work and how I can join you in that and give me a spirit of hope and confidence that you have sustained me so far and you're going to do it going forward. Man, that's a prayer that God wants to answer. And I think that so much of it is just being attentive to how God's at work and how we can join him in it. Attentive to how God's at work. I love that. So would you say, Michael, that um, would, oh, okay, so this is, this is almost like what I want to do towards the end of the episode. Would you pray For people, I mean, so, I mean, right here on the spot, do you feel comfortable doing that? Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. No worries. Okay. That's perfect. Because I would almost want this episode to be almost like a holistic um, conversation where we invite people to hope, you know, that yeah. as you were talking about hope, it even brought me back to my, the beginnings of this podcast where I used to have this phrase. I haven't said it a lot lately, but it's hope is the future. And I've like I've said it like almost like every episode until you know now I'm with emojis and things like that. <laughs> mm. But I love that. You know, I love the idea of hope and almost mm. be the first step that people need to take. So what would you have to say as so for example, my my own vantage point when it comes to hope and the future, and I've I've said this many times, is that sometimes when I think of the future, I It's my strength and my weakness. So my weakness side is I think of the worst of the future, right? Mm. But the strength is that I can think of really good things and I can you know, be super creative and almost be like, you know, Edison or all these people like thinking outside of the box. So that could be my, my strength, right? So what would be the invitation to help people have a hopeful future to say yes to hope? And yeah, I'll just leave it right there. I think the very best way to have confidence and hope is to look back and to count the ways that God has done good things in our life in the past. If mm. he's done it in the past, he's going to do it in the future. So you just try to make a list. All right, God, what have you done that have been good things that have come my way? And as we begin to make that list and enumerate them, and we remind it of God's faithfulness and God's goodness, I think it also gives us reason to have confidence he's going to do it again. So good. Okay, God's faithfulness and goodness. I love that. Okay, Michael. So let's go to our emojis. Let's try to summarize the episode as we walk through our five emojis. So first one being the most blasphemous idea. So when it comes to the hinge moments in our lives, what would be like the, f the farthest away from God 
the one that you would say this is the most blasphemous thing? I think the most blasphemous thing we can do at a hinge moment is to say, whatever's come my way is by my own doing, and I'm going to solve the problem myself. Wow. Okay. So I, I just want to elaborate a little bit on that. Um, we need people. Is that what you mean? We, we can't do it alone? Well, we need God, I think, mm. first and foremost. It's to say, you know, it's not about, it's not about ourselves. It's about uh, seeing how God is at work and how he's using us. And I think it's a blasphemous to think that we're going to be the people who solve our own problems. Mm. We're never going to solve our own problems. It's going to be a matter of God working in and through us and those that we're around. And part of it is just having the eyes to say, okay, how's God at work and how can it be at work in my life? So good. And that, that also brings the word sovereignty into the into the whole mix. That's so good. Thank you, Michael. So let's move on to skeptical. Um, in the hinge moments, what are you most skeptical of or where you have seen skepticism played out the most? Well, I think that we have to be skeptical of our own motives, just to be perfectly honest. So mm. sometimes, you know, Bible says that um, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so I think sometimes we have to be skeptical that we've got it all figured out or that we know exactly what is the right thing. You, you said it earlier. Sometimes we pray, oh, God, you know, do this thing. And then he does that. And we're like, whoa, what'd you do? So mm. I think we have to be skeptical. And sometimes we have to just be indifferent to various options and say, okay, God, what do you want in my life? I'm not going to sort of direct it. I'm, so be skeptical of your own motives and to be open and indifferent to anything but the will of God. Wow. Skeptical to our own motives. Yeah. And, and, Uh, just to elaborate a little bit on what scripture says, you know, the heart is deceitful, right? And I think it's exactly that our motives could be contaminated in a sense by selfishness, right? And would you say selfishness would be like the, the, the antithesis of looking for others, right? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, Philippians chapter two says, don't merely look out for your own interests, but the interests of others have this attitude in yourself which was also in Christ Jesus. So good. Okay. Inspired. Um, where do you see inspiration or what inspires you when it comes to Hinch moments? Man, I get inspired every single day. I get to work with amazing college students at Taylor University, and I'm inspired to see how God uses these students um, in each other's lives to help them walk through Hinch moments, like figuring out what am I going to do with my life? Where am I going to live? Is this the person I should marry? and uh, seeing how God can use one another to help us make the most of every opportunity. Wow, that is so good. So you're in the academic world, and right now I feel like, you know, from what I'm witnessing online, the academic world is all over the place. It's like the marketplace of ideas, but in a sense, it also seems like if some of the ideas don't lean a certain way, uh, mm. maybe we should remove them from the marketplace. So when it comes to hope and inspiration, what do you wish for the newer generations that are stepping into you know, higher education? But at the same time, I feel like the, the challenges are bigger when it comes to like the actual marketplace of ideas. Well, I'm a huge believer in Christian education, and there's 150 faith-based schools in the U.S. where they're just um, eager to come alongside young people and help them grow and develop in the faith and help them become the woman or man that God wants them to be. So my biggest encouragement for folks is to see, could they find a great, 
Christian University where they could grow and learn in community and under the direction of amazing faculty and staff. That's an inspirational choice for your future. So good. Okay, so next one would be our holy emoji. So when it comes to the hinge moments, where do you see holiness played out? I think holiness comes in the moments of great trial and challenge. It's where you take your shoes off and say, okay, this is a holy spot where God can do something really amazing. And that's where you have to pray that prayer of indifference and say, God, I want to be led by you. I don't want it to be me directing it. I find that the Lord will meet you throughout the last year when I was experiencing my own hinge moment, wondering where God was calling me after I decided to step down from the presidency at Gordon in Boston. And he ended up leading me to Indiana, but that's not necessarily where I thought I would go. I found that the Lord would speak to me through a daily discernment walk. So I meditated on Psalm 37, and it's a great psalm because it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That's a really holy place to be. So good. Thank you, Michael. And lastly, I think for our divine emoji, would you just pray for people who are facing their own hinge moments and maybe unaware of you know, whether this door they should walk through or not? And you know, just a prayer to become our better selves more often. Absolutely. Let's pray. So God, I pray for the people listening to this podcast, wherever they are, whatever they are facing, whether it's um, sadness or tragedy or great opportunity or new possibilities, Lord, I pray that you would minister at this very moment to every single person listening to our words. I pray that your presence would be real to them, that they might know that you are Emmanuel, God with us, and that you would bring a friend or a loved one or a colleague who could come alongside them in this particular moment. I pray that you'll open up doors of possibility for every one of us, that we could serve you more faithfully and have new opportunities. Move us to a place where we can be wildly successful and spectacularly happy because we have experienced the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. May we be men and women who are changed because we have encountered you today. This we pray in Christ's name, amen. Amen. I received that. That was beautiful. I, I'll take that for myself as my own prayer today. And you who are listening, I mean, send us your comments. Send us maybe even how you are praying this prayer and how it has helped you. We would love to hear from you and see how maybe in the in the days to come or whenever you listen to this episode, um, a door was opened and you were aware that it was open and you walked through it and maybe this episode helped you do that. That was amazing. Thank you so much, Michael. So lastly, would you just point people to find out a little bit more about what you do, your work, maybe even your books? Where can they find more about Michael Lindsay? Well, I hope you'll check out Hinge Moments. It's available on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Uh, I'd love for you to get a copy. I serve as the president of Taylor University. Hope you'll check us out at www.taylor.edu. Love it. Thank you so much, Michael. All right, my friends, there you have it. Thank you so much for being on the show with me today. I would love for you to help us spread the, the word and the love 
with ChristianPodcast.com. We're a media company. We want to grow. We want to create content that inspires people, that challenges people to pursue faith. So other than podcasting, we just want to create media that impacts our world for the better, for the good. So would you visit us at ChristianPodcast.com? React with your own emojis. Help us by rating and reviewing our episodes wherever you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Roku, YouTube, or Apple Podcasts. And finally, purchase our merchandise. Go to christianpodcast.com forward slash shop. And there we have all of our amazing emoji merch, coffee mugs, and whatnot. I'll see you guys on the next one.